0: Hit me. From Studio P in Sausalito, the home of the hit, it's time for Succotash. Yes, Sagatas Chats, the original comedy soundcast featuring interviews from comedy Soundcast. Soundcasters, comedians, comedians, soundcasters, and other showbiz folks. And here's your host, internationally recognized comedy soundcast, soundcaster, Mark Hershon!
1: Yes, it's me, Mark Hirschhorn, your host in stain-resistant fabric for Epi 157 of Suckatash the Comedy Soundcast, Soundcast. And we are not the only personal audio program using the new Soundcast description. I just got to listen to Epi 7 of the Los Angeles Breakfast Club on the air. And the host, our friend Phil Lerness, mentions Soundcast in relation to that show. Which, BTW, is a lot of fun. Phil's got uh, tracks from the LABC dating back to the 1920s all the way up to last month. And the show has an adequate announcer, too. They... Can't afford themselves a bill Haywat yet, so I agreed to do it. Check out the Los Angeles Breakfast Club on the air. They're on Libsyn, iTunes, and other distribution points across the vast intertubes. I'll have to feature a snippet on a future Succotash clips, but not this show because this episode is a Succotash chat show, and our special guest is Jordan Brady, who's making a speedy return to this program. He was with us for our sesquintennial episode 150, and now, with his third movie in the I Am Comic Trilogy being released to the public for streaming and download, I wanted to have him back. I Am Battle Comic is available on Amazon, iTunes, and some other places too. Plus, you can purchase a download directly from their imbattlecomic.com home site. We'll be back with my chat with Jordan right after this word from our sponsor.
0: Hello, friends. Bill Haywatt here. You know, with the summer winding down and the days getting shorter, it's a sure sign that it's back-to-school time. While kids might be grumbling that their fun is about to end, they can still be having a great time when they hit those hallowed halls in their new Hendersons back-to-school plants. Far from being too cool for school, Henderson's back-to-school pants are just right, regardless of whether your offspring is star of the football team or a wimpy loser who gets beaten up by the bike racks every day after class. On the advice of counsel, Henderson's Pants wants to assure listeners of this program that we do not tolerate nor support bullying in our nation's schools or playgrounds. The childhood spectrum illustrated in this commercial message is not intended to denigrate or mock those children who might be seen as being of lesser ability or popularity than other more desirable young people. We invite opposing views to contact the management of Henderson's Pants via this program. We now return to the commercial, already in progress. Bill? Thank you, Joe. Originally designed for private school, public school, and that school of how? Hard knocks, Henderson's back to school pants can be found in the aisles next to peachy folders, pencil boxes, and small caliber firearms wherever back to school supplies are sold. That's Henderson's makers of knickers and knee pants since 1917. And now back to Suckertash. I,
2: I have boxes. I maybe I told you I had videotapes, boxes of videotapes from all the stand-up shows and appearances. And a a family of rats chewed chewed up the because the half inch VHS tape and made a nest out of it. <laughs> one day I was cleaning out the garage and my kids were little and I as I pulled the box down I thought someday I'll show them you know Dad with his mullet fashionable and, and his pushed up st- sports coat sleeves the sport coat sleeves and doing the funny bits and thin and a young Adonis and. Uh, <laughs> And a rat jumped out of the box, and I screamed like a schoolgirl. And the, the little babies were n- just so cozy in a nest of whatever that stuff is made of. Your,
1: your, your, your old memories. And a, a nest of your old
2: memories. It was uh, Bill Rafferty's Good Time Cafe became a. <laughs> became a breeding ground for rodents
1: (laughs) it it doesn't seem much of a change from when it was actually being used for comics (laughs) careers uh jordan brady how are you
2: i'm good that would be the you might be the only person to get that reference
1: (laughs) well that's all right that was just for me you were last to guest not too long ago on our cis cis 150th episode
2: and i was flattered
1: (laughs) it was a delight to have you and I'm oh, happy to have you again.
2: You're very kind. I, 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 I mean that. All, all jokes aside, you're very kind to have me on. And uh, it, I think it helped. I mean, when I was on uh, on the quincent, What do you call it? Sesquicentennial. The Sesquintennial, which sounds like a celebration of Yeti. <laughs> <laughs> it
1: does. Or Wookiees, either or way. Or Wookiees. <laughs>
2: uh, I was on that tour doing these one night screenings and Q and A's for I am battle comic and I'm happy to report to the listeners Mm. thanks to their help. uh, We raised over $25,000 for spread over four different military centric charities. Oh, that's great. Or for, for military families and veterans and, and the families of active duty people. So not bad. I mean, we sold out in Los Angeles and it, and more importantly, it's, it kind of sparked a Q and a conversation amongst civilians and even military people that would stand up and say something. And it was, it was really fulfilling. Like creatively it was really fulfilling.
1: That's great. That's great. Um, But now uh, we're the reason we're main reason we're talking to is that the I am battle comic is about to make its, its public debut.
2: Yes. Oh, I'm so excited.
1: That's so cool. So how did this, how did this all come about? You found distribution and tell us, tell us the tale of how it goes from you kind of schlepping the film around to these different things to raise money for military charities and things. And and now it's going to be where people can get to it.
2: I just, I just was putting on my Facebook, like pre-order at, at iTunes. But I'm, I'm thinking by the time people hear this, it's, it's on iTunes
1: yeah well, or, that's what we're or, hoping for yeah you know
2: Hulu Amazon I saw it I saw it at, on Walmart Walmart's website oh, cool. which is you know that's where you you strive for
1: <laughs> well you have <laughs> arrived you have arrived along with the method soap I guess <laughs> <laughs>
2: don't knock the method oh boy there the packaging it could be crap soap. But the packaging is so clean;
1: it's amazing. It really is. I mean, it's it changed the, it changed a lot of the way sort of normal household uh, what would you call them sort of um, staples package are, are, yeah. are packaged, you know, because people go, wow, I guess it t- can make a difference. Even though, like you said, I, you know, the soap in it's perfectly good soap. Um, is it any different than anything else? I don't know,
2: but the package makes you go, wow, this is cool. Yeah. I feel young again. <laughs> well, I've always thought I've always thought, Mark, that there's one giant truck, like the milk truck or the gasoline <laughs> truck, full of shampoo. Yeah. And it pulls up to the different bottling plants (laughs) and they just have a big spigot at the end and they fill the shampoo bottles. Then they go to the next shampoo thing. And maybe the shampoo maker puts like a little flowery scent in it. They slap their own label on and it's all the same shit.
1: You know what? I think you are not alone in that thought. I think a lot of people have that same idea. Um, and you know, it's one of those things I, I, you know, I, I buy like contact lens solution. I don't, I just need something that's going to, you know, lubricate the contact lens and so i go to like walgreens and i get their in-store brand and like in fine print at the very bottom it says compare to and then it has like the leading brand of contact lens solution you look at the ingredients side by side they're exactly the same
2: oh my goodness and the the walmart people and they're i think they're walgreens right walgreens people i mean mm. and rite aid i think does this and cvs they they mimic the package <laughs> that they're uh, undercutting as close price. as
1: they can. Yeah. The image looks the same and the, yeah, exactly. The colors are always kind of very close.
2: It's the Tylenol font, but it's just called IV propane. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or, or uh, uh, I like when the Walgreens does this a lot where they put the WAL from wall at the beginning of whatever the name of the, the generic is
2: sure. I'm, wall wall quill.
1: I'm taking wall right now <laughs> for my headache.
2: Here, Here's the answer to your question. Yes. And it'll be. it's kind of a show-busy answer.
1: Perfect, then.
2: Okay, good. I mean, you can, you know, cut me off. It's your show. No, no. It, there, so, you,
1: this is your show, friend. <laughs> this is your show.
2: <clears throat> so listen to this. You've had me on several times promoting these documentaries, and the, the I Am Comic trilogy is now complete.
1: It is now complete.
2: Yep. Some would say I Am Battle Comic is the return of the Jedi of the... <laughs> I am comic series.
1: <laughs> and it's not until somebody ponies up a lot of bucks, you're going to make three really crappy films that come before I am comic. I, well, am, we'll, I, am, I am open mic comic. What am I doing here? And hey, Mix Nuts, the improv comic <laughs> movie.
2: <laughs> right. <laughs> I am guitar act. <laughs> I am prop comic.
1: Which is not a bad movie. No.
2: Well, you I guess you would we'll have,
1: find, I guess we'll find out.
2: Yeah. Uh, the legendary WID would star for the, the comedy nerds. He was like uh, Carrot Top's grandfather.
1: Yeah, yeah, the legendary Very funny. Wid. Oh, my God. You can He's even, legendary. Yeah, I mean, Gary Mule was a, pop, uh, a
2: prop comic. Oh, my God. And uh, G- uh, Joel Hodgson. Yes. Uh, Some great inventive props. The late Vic Dunlop. Oh, my goodness. You know the story about him, right, with the crazy eyes? I, he would sell these eyes and then yeah. – like an IRS guy was in the audience and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he got audited for for selling o- for income, selling
1: yeah. for selling eyes. He was the first the one to, who got dinged for his merch,
2: the merch ding.
1: And uh, yeah, and he bought he bought those little plastic bags of those eyes. It was just these eyes and he would put them in hey. his he had them in his act and people would want them because they were just these little plastic shells that would go over your your own closed eyes and they look crazy. And he bought them in Mexico for like three three cents a package and then would sell them after the show for like 10 bucks a piece.
2: I mean, I can't even do the math at what an astronomical markup that is.
1: Yeah. yeah Maybe
2: yeah. I Am Merch is the next one. I Am Merch comic. That would be like episode one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that would be every comedian at some point in their career selling what? a CD. Or t- did you ever sell CDs or anything?
2: Uh, I sold blank CDs <laughs> and I w- and cassettes and said, "Look, you can record whatever you want on this. This is a real bargain."
1: But it had your picture on the outside. Oh, of course.
2: <laughs> I I had t-shirts uh I had yeah, I had some t-shirts with something that I mean, it was very hack. But so so get this. In the uh in 2000 10, I am comic came out right. The first documentary, yeah. And I went to the festival circuit, had a blast, and then hooked up with Monterey Media, the nicest people in the world. Uh, the uh, um, um, like when I say mom and pop, literally, Scott and Jerry Mansfield are married and they run this thing, and they've been in the the movie business for thirty plus years, and. They own this. They own this company, and they love comedy, so they took on I Am Comic, and we did really well. So I was on a podcast uh, earlier in 2017. Barry Katz, the industry standard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for the, yeah, for those for those that don't know, you know, you've probably profiled him on the show, right?
1: Yeah, I reviewed it, and I think we played a clip. If we haven't, I'll, I'll play a clip soon. But uh, yeah, it's a great. I mean, he's such a you know. Steeped in comedy, kind of guy. Um, so yeah, it's a great, it's a great uh, sound cast for those who have not heard it yet.
2: Oh, it's yeah, and Barry Katz is. A, uh, I try to imitate him, but I sound like Mister Haney from Green Acres. <laughs> but he managed, you know, uh, Jay Moore and Tracy Morgan, and <laughs> so he had me on his show, or I had him on. Respect the process. I think it was i forget i think we did a dual thing oh okay and i said something about uh i am road comic which comedy dynamics did you know they do all the comedian specials and he goes you're a good guy why didn't you just go back to monterey media Mm. and i said i mean it was like therapy and i said you know you're right i should they did really well and uh so I called him. I just called up. This is not even a good story. Then I called up uh, Monterey Media and I said, "Hey, I I want to, I want you guys to release I Am battle comic." And uh, they said yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't go to any festivals. I did the tour of fundraising screenings. You know myself. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that satisfied me. You know the filmmaker Jones to see it with a crowd. Right. And. Monterey has picked it up, and they've uh, they've also embraced the fundraising aspect. Like, there's a link on the page that if you if you click on the link to National Military Family Association, a bunch of money from the your purchase goes to that charity. Oh, cool! Because I, you know, I said, hey, I've been doing these screenings, and they said, well, we'd like to continue that for you. That's great.
1: Isn't that cool? So, how will people be able to uh, view it? You said it's gonna it's on iTunes. It's on where it's else? A, Working.
2: Amazon, Voodoo, uh, Roku, Rickshaw. I'm making some of these up now.
1: <laughs> Slingshot.
2: Slingshot.
1: Uh, Spitball. Right. <laughs> See how easy it is to create names, by That's the way? That's good. Ko- koala. Just take two words and put them together, and you've yeah. got a new thing. Yeah. Zip tie. It's a new <laughs> Enjoy
2: it on Pillow Talk. And my favorite, Husker Du. <laughs> well, well, if you go here's the what I've simplified. I've simplified it. I am Just go to I am and it'll take and you. That's, take it'll your, take you. It'll take you everywhere. It'll give you all the choices in the world, and it's real easy, Mark, because the name of the movie is I Am Battle Comic. Yeah, and, and then I, you go. You just you don't. I don't even know if you have to put the dot com right. You can just put I am Battle Comic, and then you click, and it'll go to the a yeah. uh, site with charities you can donate to with ways you can buy it yeah i'm sure you can rent it on youtube and and you can download it you can rent it just i am battle comic by the way terrible name did <laughs> we talk about that last time? we did
1: because of the i guess the tv show about the uh there's that the comic show right and they're calling that something battle i
2: think of, it's roast battle roast battle comic- yeah battle.
1: yeah yeah um but you know i after our conversation i was trying think. well what else would you call it you know, and I don't know if you've got alternative titles you, that you kind of go, oh, I should have gone with such and such. But there's titles that obviously would better explain what what the concept is, I guess. You know, more of a descriptive title, as we would say in the branding business. Yeah,
2: right. But it's well, also... you're Yeah, you're the, you're the brand expert. Tell me, like, how about... Let me pitch you one I was thinking of. Yeah. I am comic, colon... It would be the colon. It wouldn't actually be yeah. the word colon. No.
1: The, I Am Comic. The, that's a different, mil- that's a different th-
2: documentary. <laughs> right, totally. <laughs> <laughs> I Am Comic, military grade.
1: Eh, you know what? If the rest of the trilogy had the same sort of process to it, or you know, the same sort of... Military, uh, military grade and then something else that would be more germane to being a road comic and stuff.
2: Right. I Am Comic Road Edition. Yes. Would have, would have been of another one. Yes.
1: But then yeah. th- that's a different <clears throat> branding technique. And so to just kind of throw military grade out there, it's kind of like, oh, he kind of he came up with something clever for the third one.
2: <laughs> well, it, so in the film, Wayne Fetterman addresses the question that everyone asked me and everyone asked the, the comedians, Dave Attell, whoever goes over there. Were you ever scared? Were, you know, you're know, you so brave to go do that. Mm-hmm. And Fetterman's line was, I don't think I was brave, uh, but I was around the troops that are brave, so I was in the vicinity of bravery, <laughs> yes. which would be a great title for the documentary. And believe you me, there was about a three-week period where I was like, if I had the balls, I would call this in the vicinity of bravery but it didn't it was only funny contextually to the to the story
1: yeah uh, and, and it would be an interesting descriptor line though cuz i could see i am battle comic in the vicinity of bravery something like yeah that.
2: that's that would that would work like that yeah i think the artwork has shipped
1: That's okay. I I think, I mean, I Am Battle Comic works with I Am Comic, I Am Road Comic. I mean, you get the progression of what's going on there. Even if you never make another one, it's easy for people to say, wow, he could make another one. Like we talked about, you know, cruise ships and some other ideas you've had. And, you know, you could see the line extending uh, if all of a sudden there was like this thing where you go you know what i am going to make a big series of these or maybe i'll farm them out to a bunch of people let them make it make like i would do that yeah like the uh you know the dummies books the somethings for dummies where they just the original authors just franchise the thing out to people
2: you just license the title yeah yeah well this the one i'm seriously considering is i am son of comic Mm.
1: you'd mention that because you've got the the you've got the the guy that was uh that with was with you and you've got that great sequence we talked about in the last interview. Oh yeah,
2: Jeff Capri and his father, the legendary Dick Capri. Yeah,
1: and the fact that he had also entertained troops. And there was that magic of the two sort of generations of comedians talking about the business with each other.
2: Well look at Damon Wayans Jr. or Ben Stiller. I mean there there are
1: Look at Blake and s- Blake and Travis Clark.
2: They look at that. Right? Right, so I think there's tons and tons of them, and and there's some women yep. that are sons of comedians, but um, I have to say that, or they wouldn't be allowed in the movie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I guess you could say offspring of comic,
2: but, Offs- they, but then that's you, a bad title. Exactly.
1: Plus, you lose the connection to the whole son of werewolf thing that comes from. Well,
2: what what is your what is your um, feeling about this? Do, I am podiatrist, like. <laughs> I am, I am series alive, but well, to be done with comedy.
1: I think, I think you've, uh, at that point you sort of broken the, the barrier on being able to do anything about, co- about, um, a profession. I would say, you know, the I am podiatrist with a comedy bent is cause I keep running into these comics that were comics and now they're, they still might do it occasionally, Oh sure, they had to get a real job. There's a a guy up here I saw the other night. You know, we did a uh, a Robin Williams birthday celebration to raise money for the Throckmorton Theater, and there were a bunch of guys that showed up that you know did hung out with Rob and I, I did some, some improv with Jeff Bolt and Michael O'Brien and Will Durst was there and Mark Pitta and a bunch of people. But there were a bunch of guys that showed up just to be in the audience, you know, maybe hoping, Hey, can you want to get up and do a couple of minutes? But the show is way too long. And they're doing things like one guy's like a, you know, a wine expert who go, he you know runs a tasting room and stuff like that. So the idea you could track comics down,
2: it's called spit takes, isn't it?
1: <laughs> see, <laughs> it's you, like a comedy wine tasting. See, you could be in the branding business. Don't <laughs> fool yourself. I, think, I dabble. <laughs> I, I think. I think because of your commercial direction career, you've somehow backed your way into a a branding motif.
2: Oh, I love I love branding. I find it fascinating, and and uh, we're in an era. Where people talk about their personal brand, mm-hmm. which uh, back in the old days we called it personality.
1: <laughs> now it's a
2: brand. <laughs> now it's a brand.
1: Yep, that's the way I look. Here's my smile. I like to do for people. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you know, people do. They they sort of your online presence curates your brand, and and I say this somewhat mockingly, but I can't I can't deny it. I can't fight it. You know.
1: Yeah. It's just the way it is. And so you you wonder about people that put kind of goofy profile pictures up and they're there for like 12 years. And it's like, that's your brand, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you did some sort of Photoshop thing where you look all fat or you just kind of got a mustache or something that isn't really you, but you you just never change it. So <laughs> that's how your friends get to know who you are. Eventually they go, you're the guy with the mustache.
2: You're I mean, like, what? What was oh, that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> by the by the way, um, how old would Robin Williams have been?
1: Sixty six, I believe.
2: Wow. Yeah. He'll he'll live forever in my heart as, you know, fifty fifty years old at most, with a, the energy of an eighteen year old.
1: Yes. Yeah, it was kind of funny. My my uh, my wife came to the show and was in the audience. So I can't watch comedy that much anymore. <laughs> I'm always back in the green room or hanging out, and I just can't kind of sit through very much of it. But she was watching the show, and one of the guys on the bill was Stephen Pearl.
2: And oh, he's he's hilarious.
1: He is hilarious. And he yeah. was, of all the guys that were there, I mean, it, you know, people are getting kind of long of tooth and a little bit slow on the draw, but Pearl is still just a maniac on stage, and it was sort of the closest thing to that Robin Williams energy right. was watching Pearl. Um, Cause he's, I mean, he's, he's pretty heavy now, but he was still just dashing around the stage, sweating like a maniac. Um, and it was darn close to the, again, he wasn't doing what Robin did comedy wise, but that energy, that manic energy. Uh, and that's really what you kind of miss not having him around.
2: You know, in, in editing, uh, for I Am Battle Comic, there's unlimited clips oh, sure. of of Robin going anywhere that there was trouble. And, and probably – this is what my research taught me, that even more than Bob Hope, Robin Williams went to the thick of it. Like – yeah. You know, Bob Hope, Bob Hope was sort of, uh, if his documentary might be on the outskirts of trouble. <laughs> be, you know,
1: Instead of the heart of darkness.
2: Yeah, not knocking Bob Hope at all. I mean, right. it, I don't want this to come off like I'm taking a, a shot. He, Bob Hope went to where there were troops all around the world and and started this tradition. But I would see these clips of Robin Williams in, I mean, anywhere in Afghanistan, Iraq, uh, Djibouti. I mean, just and and full of that same vigor and the way people would light up when he would come on stage. Interestingly enough, uh, through the magic of Facebook, I met a guy, a service uh, veteran Hmm. who was there. He was he was he was on base in the crowd with a video camera and filmed it the same clip that made some special from a different angle oh really so i i had literally i had two angles of the same performance i mean kind of by a miracle right this guy yeah. he goes hey i think you might want this footage i shot when i was in the that's i believe amazing. the air force so i was able to actually edit like, the clips together and
1: cut between shots
2: yeah and and tighten it up a little bit and that's you know that's crazy a couple bad words but uh just you know, he his his trademark "Good Morning Vietnam," which I will spare the listener. <laughs> but he he would do it at the top of his lungs, and if it if "Good Morning Kazakhstan," yeah, <laughs> and wherever he was, and people would, oh, the troops would just go crazy. And can you imagine? uh so, like what I experienced in Afghanistan, and what the the. Comics in the movie talked about when they went to Iraq or any anywhere, you know, Korea or a base even in in uh, Okinawa or Eastern Europe. The troops are missing that taste of home of America. Yes, and so they they were so gracious and 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 thankful that we came over. Like you remembered us. Okay, so we're you know I was with no slight to my fellow battle comics, but. You know, there's no household name. So then you you go on the other end of the spectrum and you have Robin Williams. I mean, that... That's astounding. And he seems so pure and and happy being of service with his comedy.
1: Uh, Yeah, it's kind of amazing. I mean, uh, you know... Uh, Dana Carvey, who's done this show a number of times and was on recently, um, he, he never, he hates flying. So he never wanted to go into like a battle zone or anything. But what he does and never tells anybody about is he goes to these, he'll go to like the army hospital in Bethesda, Maryland. And he'll just show up and just kind of walk around to the different rooms to all the soldiers and stuff like that. And never makes a deal about it. The press never knows about it. Um, and to him, that's his reaching out and it's, you know, the same thing. I mean, I've never been with him on it, but he tells me just the feeling he gets from doing it. It's just, people are just astounded that, you know, somebody of that magnitude has shown up at their bedside.
2: (laughs) You're talking to uh, you'll find no bigger fan of Dana Carvey's comedy than the man you're talking to because it just the silliness, the cleverness, the, Uh, You know, I was never able to do a character. So when you watch his body of work Mm -hmm. and 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 so when he comes in the room, the the context of that's Dana Carvey, your mind flips from church lady, Hans and Franz, uh, Wayne and Garth. You just he just walks in. You're already laughing because of the his comedy you've consumed in your life. It's been inescapable.
1: Yeah, I've the, um, you know the episode just uh, two before. Uh, let's see, when was it? One fifty-five. Uh, if you does can, that
2: have a word? Is that called the
1: sesquintentional cinco? <laughs> but that was, he just called me up and said, he had, you know, he's been living in LA, living in LA, but he was up here for a couple of weeks doing some gigs and he, you know, he still has a house here in Northern California. And he goes, Hey, you want to do a podcast? Go, okay. So I grabbed my equipment, went over and we ended up with him, Mark Pitta and Larry bubbles Brown. Oh just, my goodness. Just sitting around. And, uh, it was just so funny because his thing now is trying to find weird characters that are known, but that nobody's kind of doing, and it's really hard because there's not a whole lot of people that have a trademark voice that when you do it, people recognize what it is. Um, so
2: he was trying out. You mean that, that someone is, that it isn't already doing?
1: Yeah, yeah. And that's just even out there. It's, you know, the, the days of, of film stars like Jimmy Stewart and Cagney and all those people that were really easy to do impressions of because of they were so distinctive. There's not a right. whole lot of that out there anymore. So. Um,
2: he had, and if there are, there's people doing them.
1: Yeah. So he played, he had, he had recorded these two messages. He's, he, uh, he had done Howard Stern's show. And after he got done doing the Howard Stern show, he got a call from JJ Abrams, uh, who just wanted to hang out with him. And so he's, <laughs> he's been hanging out with JJ Abrams. And is so, that a
2: good impression?
1: No, but, <laughs> but what was the impression was he had recorded a couple of things on his, rec- on his phone that he then played from the phone to JJ Abrams answering machine. And one of them was Jeff Bridges calling, trying to get work. And the other was Michael Caine calling to get, get work. And they were two of the funniest clips I've ever heard. Cause it's not him trying to make an audience laugh. It's just him trying to make JJ Abrams laugh.
2: That's hilarious.
1: And they were, uh, the Jeff Daniels one is so funny. I mean, Michael Caine is great too, but you've heard, hear I think, do I
2: think he did Michael Caine in, in the uh, HBO special. I think he made a Netflix special.
1: Yeah. But I'd never heard his Jeff Bridges before. And it was, <clears> he really <throat> had nailed it. It was very funny.
2: He's the, he's the King. Um, in fact, that there was a show Dana Carvey hosted recently about impressions.
1: Yeah. First impressions. It was like a First, ga-
2: game show on it, TBS or something. And, uh, that to me was the nail in the coffin for, I am mimic mm. that I'd started. Yeah. I, oh, you, did,
1: you Oh, really? Okay.
2: Yeah. Well, I, first I interviewed Jay Moore mm-hmm. because he, I know Jay's super nice guy and he, you know, everybody these days does Christopher Walken. But he nailed it. He was the first one but to kind of nail it, right? He was the, yeah, he was the one to do it on SNL. And Kevin Pollack does a really good yeah. Christopher Walken. So I was in talks with Kevin to get to interview him. And then uh, I went to a guy named Roger Cabler, mm-hmm. who older comics would know as the Zima guy. Yeah. Back in the nineties. Roger, super sweet guy. We had actually met at a at a show. He does a he does a one-man tribute to Robin Williams. Oh, really? That it's spooky the mm-hmm. way he I mean, Google that or I can I can send you a, a link to like yeah. the promo. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 spot on and it's all from love. And he said people that would come to the show would be kind of therapeutic because I think we were all a little. I mean, you would know from your yeah. show the other night, like people don't want to let go. No, no,
1: it's it. I mean, he was really beloved. You know, they they rededicated a, a freeway tunnel. Here in Marin County, as the Robin Williams Tunnel, because for years it's had this. Uh, as you go in from the San Francisco side into Marin, the arches on the tunnel are painted with a rainbow. The idea you're getting out of the fog and moving into the sun. But because I know that tunnel, yeah. yeah, because of those rainbow suspenders he used to wear back in the day, uh, they thought that was indicative of him. And they and because he w- you know was raised in Marin County. Um, and spent so much of his time up here. Uh, They renamed it uh, the Robin Williams Tunnel. Oh, that's nice. That's so sweet. Yeah, yeah. So you see that sign when you go into the tunnel every time. Uh, So he sort of is uh, definitely this beloved figure. And again, the theater, we did it in the Throckmorton. He would show up there all the time because he lived 10 minutes away. And some nights he would never go up. He would just sit in the green room or he'd sit in the audience and watch or whatever. But a lot of times he would get up and do, a set to close the show on Tuesday nights when they did comedy. Wow. Wow. That's magical. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Speaking of magical in terms of, uh, in terms of your movie, this is what I was wondering about. Have you gotten any reaction from guys that were over there when you were shooting that have now returned home and have either heard about the movie or have seen the film since they've been back?
2: Yes. I was at a screening that uh, in Phoenix at the Harkins, you know, in the multiplex, we did a, a fundraiser for the Semper Fi fund. Mm. It's packed. A bunch of the comedians, Bob Kubota is from Phoenix. He was there. He went on the tour with me. Yeah. And at the Q and a, this six foot something, man, I mean, big guy stands up and he says, I don't really have a question. I have a statement. Uh, I just left Bagram airfield where we shot a lot of the hmm. st- stuff and did shows in, in Afghanistan. And he goes, I was the wing commander. Oh, <laughs> so he, <laughs> he's he a, basically, he's in the movie, right? Uh, no, he was there the year before. Oh, okay. Right. So he goes, I've seen these shows. I can tell you the morale it ha- uh, effect on morale for the men and women. And he turned to the audience. He goes, I'm just telling you this is, and this is the highest compliment I've, I've received on this this is yes it's it's about these comedians uh doing their shows but it's also one of the best depictions of sort of daily life mm. uh on base i mean this is this is what they go through this is the job these are the jobs that they that they do they're always at the ready you're you know it's every day is a monday wow you know you you don't really know what day days of the week don't matter. And if you're in the fire department, you this is what you do. If you're in the bomb, like, Hurt Locker division, yeah. that's what you do. And the, the film shows that. So you, you can see how we're on. We're ready to go 24-7. Uh, so it was a, like a on a documentary – on the level of a documentary, it was uh, – he said it was very true. Is that the right way to say that? I'm not really educated. I don't speak well. Not I, but it was very touching. And then the other, the other, uh, the same night, a Vietnam veteran stood up and said uh, he was very happy at the way the civilian population now is more welcoming of the troops when they come home. Oh, good. And, Cause you know, they, in, in the Vietnam era, when people came home, we either blame them or turned, a, turned away from them. We, we wanted to ignore the veterans. Yes. So, so that's been really cool. And then same thing in, like in Vegas, we did a, a fundraiser and a bunch of veterans were there and just really excited to see the movie. The only doubt, the only there was a guy at the l a screening who was in some sort of special forces, and he said it disturbed him a little bit because you know there's some there's mentions of you know people dying in combat or suicide and things. so it it was one of my biggest fears come hmm. true that that there are some portions of the reality of it that uh, stirred up some emotions for for people, yeah.
1: Um, but I think I think that's important in a documentary that 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 happens. It's not like you were trying to hide anything, right? I mean, these are things that came up in the course of filming, and I guess you do ultimately make that decision of whether you do you put this in, how much of it do you put in, how do you couch it, that sort of thing.
2: Oh, I, amen. I agree that it, like I couldn't ignore. the The crazy thing is with these documentaries is they always turn out. Better than I think they're going to be, and 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 I say that not because of me. Like I think, like I'll just make some silly story about comedians and let the comedians be funny, and then along the way, something will happen, and I'll, I'll I you know, with every movie I run home to my wife at some point and go, "Oh my gosh, you got to see this, doc you gold, you know? <laughs> oh doc you gold." Even tragic things that have happened, like. Two weeks before Wayne Fetterman and I went to uh, Jack Diddley's to perform for I Am Road Comic, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it was yeah. Like 2013 something. The, the bouncers had tossed a patron out of Jack Diddley's. He lands on his head and goes into a coma. Oh, man. So on, I, I start getting these Facebook messages because I had posted like, hey, we're filming, come to the show. I need a comic to open up because Jordan Brady was going to perform after 20 years and couldn't do the time. <laughs> so I needed to like dole out guest sets to, yeah, yeah. to build a show. So I'm pu- I was on Facebook actively and Twitter, and people were bombarding me saying boycott Jack Diddley's, boycott Jack Diddley's, mm. and there was a vigilante protest at the club when we got there oh the same God. night. Wow. And And uh, I'm just uh, you know it's tragic this guy in a yeah. coat. Cum- yeah. And I would say to my wife, like, this is docu-gold. I am so blessed this man is in a coma. Like, what a terrible person I am. Oh, my God. He's okay now, by the way. Oh, good, good. Yeah. I wouldn't imagine be
1: joking about it if things had taken a bad turn.
2: Well, the, but maybe, you're, maybe you would. Yeah, yeah you're, you know.
1: Yeah, you're a dark guy.
2: <laughs> Rich, Rich Steidner in I Am Comic was going back on stage for the first time in over a decade. Yeah. He was pacing like a caged tiger before a shitty open mic set and he's reading his new jokes and he's practicing them outside this, this saloon in Van Nuys called the liquid zoo. (laughs) And it's like, I mean, bad open mic. And I just said, rich, if you kill, think of how great that will be for this documentary. But if you bomb, Think how great that will be for this doc. <laughs> like, there is no pressure. Doc, you go. And then he he did really well and he came off. He was really happy. And I was like, doc, you gold. <laughs> so there were things in I am battle comic. My point being that uh, things that would happen and stories that people would share and some tragic. In fact, uh, Slade Ham is a comedian. Yeah, I think this is. Real name. I think his name is... uh, John Hamm,
1: but he had to change it because it was confusing with the guy from Mad Men.
2: I was going to go Slade (laughs) Baloney. I was trying to think of a joke there, but um, great guy. This guy's a great guy. Single. Okay, good-looking chap. Mm -hmm. He basically lives on the road, like globally. You know, Tom Rhodes is a global... Comedic, it just goes everywhere. Uh, Greg Proops. Yeah. It just goes everywhere around the world. The The component that Slade Ham has is he mixes in military bases. I mean, he's been to, you know, 50 countries, mm-hmm. just about every continent. And he said to me, we met in Kuwait City, like on this trip at the airport. And mm-hmm. we became instant friends. And he said... When we get, I I know a, I know the story that you're really gonna like, and uh, he talks about he talks about the servicemen that he had met that be, had become his biggest fan.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah yeah yeah, that's right. And yeah, that's that's later, in, the, in the movie. Yeah,
2: in the movie, he got killed uh, on a patrol uh, by a you know a IED, and they the unit sent the patch off his arm to Slade back in Texas. Right. He said, you know, he's a tough guy. He goes, I don't cry. And that's what and I just edit right there. Like he goes, I don't cry. I don't cry at all. And I just cut forward in the story because we all get that he cried. Yeah. And he he waited until we got to the tree of life, which by the way, there must be like seventeen trees of life around the world. Oh sure. Right? Yeah. So, But we were in some desert, and he goes, wait wait till we're at the Tree of Life, and I'll tell you, because it's a special meaning for me. Mm. And when I was editing, I was kind of doing it chronologically. And since that story was told to me later in the trip, I had it later in the movie. Right, right. And my wife, a filmmaker in her own right, is watching this film, and it's like 30 minutes in, and she hits the space bar, and she goes... I don't know what the fuck I'm watching. Why do I care about these people and their jokes? And like, why do they do this? And I said, well, wait, watch this. And I played that scene. She goes, if that's not in the first 10 minutes, no one's going to watch this. (laughs) She didn't say it with the aggression that I'm telling the story, but I'm trying to make it a little more controversial. Yeah. (laughs) So, So we, I mean, right there on the spot, I grabbed that whole scene and moved it forward yeah and uh whenever i've told someone about the movie i'm going if you if you can make it through the first eight minutes you're going to be hooked and you're going to be crying yeah
1: no that's powerful
2: that uh your wife was right she was totally right i I almost screwed the pooch on this
1: (laughs) which leads me to the idea of uh, and this is probably this just I could probably ask this question of any docu filmmaker, but when you start out with one of these stories, you must have some sort of preconceived notion of what this might be like. And how much does that preconception get tossed? How soon into the process does it get tossed when you realize there's a bunch of other stories you never even thought of because they never occurred to you until you started talking to people. And all of a sudden everything goes a completely different direction than
2: what you had in mind. 83%. 83%. That's the <laughs> scientific answer 83% gets tossed out the window. I've done the math. I've made three documentaries. That's amazing. It's an average. That's, a, that's amazing. It's a mean average. Uh, yes. I, I go in with what I think is going to be a through line. And then ultimately it changes and something falls in your lap, right? Something it's, it's, it's truly deus ex machina, right? It's, mm. it's a hand of God or whatever you believe in the, the filmmaking gods, something happens. Like, but I'm of the theory, like, like with improv, you can't have, and I've, I've talked to a lot of great improvisers going, do you have one in the chamber? And they're like, yeah, but it never works. Cause Someone on stage says, you know, I always think I have a funny thing I want to say. Yeah. And then as I'm walking out, something's different. Someone reacts differently. And you got to surrender to that.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
2: exactly. Exactly. So, so the to me, documentary filmmaking is is like – now there are, like I'm sure that uh, Werner Herzog and uh, who's my my favorite, Errol Morris, uh, Davis Guggenheim, these are great documentary yeah. filmmakers – uh what's um RJ Cutler hmm. made some great documentaries. Well, although he's very verite, he did like the September issue, and uh, there's a wonderful documentary on Rudy Valentino, the oh. designer. Yeah. And it's basically a love story. And you can see where they thought they were going to document his last big show, but the story became about his he and his husband, like their love. Oh, interesting. Art. Yeah. So, so like with I am comic, I was going to my plan was to stage, like a spoof of Last Comic Standing. And take a, a an undiscovered comedian, and get them on late night television, ah. and and get them a showcase, and then put them in New York, uh, f- New York, or L.A. for two weeks like an unknown and pay for them to go to showcases. Yeah. So it would have been like New York, like arrange sets and manipulate and watch them like in a Petri dish. (laughs) And I, I shot that. In fact, there was a a woman who Eddie Brill at the time was booking, uh, Letterman. Letterman. Yeah. And so I went to a showcase and I have the woman coming off stage after killing Melanie Camacho, Hmm. shaking hands with Eddie Getting the I got the sound bites of like great set. I want to get you to New York and you know no no, no. and and I followed up and the the storyline just sort of fizzled. Hmm. And then Scheidner then basically you know goes crazy and has to perform and that became the heart of the movie. <laughs> I, I didn't go in going you know what if I take a retired guy and put him back on stage? Yeah right. yeah. I'm not that smart. <laughs>
1: but smart enough to realize the story when you see it
2: god willing <laughs> I mean, so so i am battle comic the things that happened were i mean for one there was a a sergeant an air force sergeant who was an mp who just came up to us in the cafeteria uh and i have the camera and he he says i just want to tell you what what it means for you to come here. Hmm. And he started talking about morale and extending someone's if someone was ever thinking about the suicide problem that this is going to postpone that if not deter it altogether. So this the suicide rate I knew about in veterans back home. Yeah. But I was unaware of it and I don't want to make it like that's the biggest thing cuz most I think you know obviously the majority of the come home yeah. safe don't don't hurt themselves right. but if it can help those people the laughter that people are bringing like i didn't i didn't get the the gravitas of what it meant to perform so then i started asking the comics i was with and they're like oh yeah we get letters from parents saying that you know hmm. not that the kid was maybe going to kill themselves but just they were having a hard time. They were going nuts. They hated. They hated it. I mean, no one likes war. Yeah, especially the troops. So it got them through another six months. And that so that that steered the story uh, quite a bit.
1: Yeah, which you can uh, what you can see and uh, I mean, you really get a feel for what you're talking about there. How the how they really do. Uh, enjoy the fact that somebody has come to entertain them almost regardless of who it is. Like we were talking earlier, it could be someone of the stature of a Robin Williams, or it could be a stature of a Slade ham. It almost doesn't have any bearing on it. It's the idea of, wow, you guys remembered we're here and came out to, to entertain us, take our minds off things for a few minutes. And it It, really does come through.
2: Tammy Pescatelli, and Jennifer Rawlings two moms that are comics yeah. that have done multiple tours like when when the tr- when the individual men and women of of our services see a mother come over i think that carries even more weight like wow you yeah you're coming over you're away from your kids and putting yourself at risk here is this maybe i shouldn't share this but in the uh, in the spirit of comedy gold <laughs> And the guy in the coma and, <laughs> uh, you know, I always wanted like would a heckler in the first one punch somebody in the face. You know, you want yeah. something like <laughs> I did kind of wish there was some shit that would go down. Like I was hoping that <laughs> there was like a firefight or a like, isn't that a, I'm a horrible person. To, <laughs> to? I was kept hoping like, man, I hope like a bomb goes off. But I didn't want anybody to get hurt. I just wanted that. <sighs> That docu gold man. The docu gold. So instead, I would film the news in my hotel. When we, sometimes we were in barracks, and you know, on base, and then sometimes we would spend a few days in a hotel. So I started filming the news because while I was gone, Brussels was to the train, in Brussels was attacked. This right, is right. A, this is a year ago in the spring, and Paris was still healing. You know, Syria was becoming the new hotspot mm-hmm. for terrorism. And I would film the news and get this this horrible footage of people, you know, wrap bandages in their head. And what are we going to do about ISIS and Syria, you know, children getting bombed and then uh, fighting in Iraq over, you know, oil amongst Iraqis. Yeah. And I realized, well, that's the villain. That the, the the world turmoil is the villain of this movie.
1: Right. So you've got the – we talked a little bit about this the last time where you use that as little sort of interstitial bits between the chunks of, of the story, which is great. For context.
2: Yeah. But secretly I was hoping the shit would hit where I was. Of course. I'm a whore. Dude, this is terrible. I shouldn't share this. No,
1: it's fantastic. This – this, my Peter, friend, is
2: Peter this is. Carvey's going to hear this. this He's going to be so <laughs> He's going to be like.
1: No, this is this is soundcast gold, my friend. <laughs> <The> <laughs> confessions. <laughs> well, Jordan, I, I I'm so ha- excited for you that that uh, people are going to get a chance to really see this movie in a, in a wide way. I mean, before you were kind of offering it, if you could get to the website and get to see it or something. And, but now that you've got the distribution, this thing is is going out to a a point where everybody can get to it online and see it for themselves. Uh, it really is. I thought the, the most powerful of, of the three comic, uh, series movies. Um, and, uh, I think you really, you did a great job with it. And
2: I'm uh, very, very flattered. Thank you. You know, I, I, if I could offer one call to action, yeah, to the listeners, absolutely, is, is uh, there was a reason that when we did the tour, uh, or if you go to imbattlecomic.com and you can, you know, click on a charity link to buy it or buy it direct or wh- however you want to do it, that's secondary to my wish is that we we civilians don't let what happened to the Vietnam vets happen now and not you know not every vet comes back with pstd and you may find that they're a good person to have in the workplace and those that do have ptsd it's a real thing and they need our help as well like we shouldn't we shouldn't brush into the table like a generation before did and so i chose different charities because there's so many great veteran service organizations and and you know like Operation Gratitude, Semper Fi Fund, For Veterans Sake. There's, I mean, there's hundreds of charities. So I asked the listener to find a local one. Find one that speaks to you and just, you know, five bucks, 20 bucks. And if it comes down to buying the movie or giving 10 bucks, give the 10 bucks. And then you can steal the movie. I'm sure they'll put it on some torrent site. (laughs) (laughs) You are a horrible, horrible man. I'm a terrible businessman. (laughs) I'm terrible. You don't promote your movie by telling people not to buy it. What have I learned? Oh,
1: boy. Well, Jordan, it's always a treat to have you on the show. Thank well, you so thanks, much for man. your time, and uh, best of luck with uh, with how the movie does out there, as well as how people uh, sort of turn their their hearts to uh, to our vets. Um, I think this movie will actually help uh, people to kind of get more of a clue of what these guys
2: are going through. And it's crazy because, I mean, I'm I'm sure Robin Williams hated the war as as much as we do. Sure, like you know, you, you hate the war you hate the i mean the ridiculousness of the lack of weapons of mass destruction who we went after after 9/11 like all that as i'm assuming most most people listening are li- of the liberal bent
1: possibly which who,
2: which, which who, who knows <laughs> who in this knows? in this time of trump who knows yeah but but you know that's you can you can segregate your your heart or your your mind i still hate all that stuff but now I understand what it means for those guys to, to volunteer for service. That was the hardest thing yeah. going into this was, you know, am I inadvertently supporting a war by supporting the troops? And I, uh, I think I found the answer is no. That's great. Cool. Hey, thanks again. I really appreciate you having me on.
1: My pleasure and uh, look forward to seeing you soon. I'll be down in L.A. a couple of times in the next few months. So hopefully we can get together.
2: I would love to buy you a modestly priced lunch. That would be fantastic. I would would eat it.
1: (laughs) All right, Jordan. Take care. Bye. Bye. Always a delight to chat with Jordan. You can read my review of I Am Battle Comic on HuffPost at hirsch.co slash battlecom, B-A-T-L-C-O-M. There's also a link up on the blog post for this episode at our home site, succotashshow.com. And I look forward to being able to visit him at the Respect the Process microphones one of these days when I'm in L.A. We've got a few minutes left before we have to throw it back to the network. So let's see if there's anything in the tweet sack. Tweety, shall we? Well, looky there. First thing out of the sack is Jordan Brady with a direct message on Twitter responding to my HuffPost review of his film. He says, quote, Wow, I am so touched by your kind words. Thank you, sir. Unquote. My pleasure, Jordan. It really is a well-done and enjoyable documentary, so I hope you get a chance to see it. Got a direct message as well from Emily Amy Lauren Becker, host of the new Support for This Podcast soundcast. I had mentioned her show on the Also Listening To section of Splitsider's This Week in Comedy podcast column last week, and I will feature a clip from her show. It's a new show, by the way, just a few episodes in, in so far. But she wrote, quote, great show. That's about this program, by the way. Great show. Thanks for the plug on Twitter. Just curious, how did you find our show? Unquote. I actually had heard about support for this podcast from one of my cube mates at the agency where I work, Sarah Grieve. Hi, Sarah. And so I told Emily, and she thanks Sarah. Kind of a mini cavalcade of gratitude. You know, the cavalcade of gratitude, like we're about to do right now. Jeff Umbro, Ned Kenny. Jennifer Driggers, Yes But Why Podcast, Juice in the Morning, The Crazy Town Podcast, Marta Shadell, In Poor Taste Podcast, Dave in the Cave, Carrie Snow, Sherry Leslie, Broken Filter Live Podcast, Pod Dunk, David the Producer, Jeff Capri, Bob Kubata, Don Barnhart, Salty Language Podcast, Ed Wallach, Rich Fulcher, Andy Pandini, Chris Pauly, The Idiot Box, The Slant Podcast, Razzles C-137, Dave Nelson, Jake and Tom Conquer the World Soundcast, Changes in Latitudes, Gift of Assholes, Russ Martucci, Pointless Discussions, Smugcast, My Neighbors Are Dead Soundcast, Travis Clark, Ice and the Face, Geekfeed.com, Illusionoid, and Hunter Block. And just like that, boom! We're done with this installment of Succotash Chats. No burst of Durst this time, just because we put this episode up so quick after Epi 156 that we missed the release window for Will Durst's usual segment. We'll get you next time, Will, but if you are missing your fix of Durst, follow him on Twitter, at Will Durst. All right, don't forget to support us on our new Patreon page at patreon.com suckatash succotash. And you can always support us for free by heading over to iTunes to rate and review us there. I'll talk to you next time you hear me, which will likely be on a subsequent installment of this here show. In the meantime, thank you for passing the Succotash.
0: Later days, dude! You've been listening to Succotash Clips, the comedy soundcast, soundcast, with your host, Mark Hershon. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants and... Imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuckatashShow.com, on iTunes, on Stitcher Smart Radio, on SoundCloud, and on ha, ha Ha Ha, the laughable app. You can also hear us streaming and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Show. Email us at M-A-R-C at Or call into the Suckatash hotline at our non- on toll-free call number, 818-921-7212. That number again is 818-921-7212. You can also upload clips from your favorite comedy soundcasts directly to us using our direct upload link at hightail.com slash u slash suckatash. Suckatash is produced and engineered with the kind assistance of Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, home of the hit. Our associate producer is Tyson Sainer. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Churches. Until next time, I am your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the Suckatash. Goodbye
2: this woman I mean as shy as she could be comes up waits to the end of the show at this at this uh, base in Bagram uh, in Afghanistan in the camouflage with her m16 as they all had in the audience and she goes hey I'm a um, open mic comedian I've been doing I just did my first one when I was stationed in another wow. t- country. And I, can I show you Would you guys give me some pointers <laughs> So she ha, she goes and gets her laptop Comes back We're in this big place where we did the show The big hut Yeah. And the uh, comics uh, Three of them are watching One of them has no interest And she's over their shoulder Like hanging on every laugh And looking at them And I've got these close ups It was such great footage And I said to her You have to give me the link like you hmm. you ha- I need this footage I need the file I need whatever yeah. it wasn't youtube it was like a, on her computer and I didn't have a, I, you got to send me this got to send me this and it would have been so touching like what are the odds that there's a a comic a comic there aspiring comic and the guys gave her notes about be yourself and da 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 and couldn't find her and I took screenshots I hmm. sent them to I sent them to the base I sent them to the guy that booked me uh, i think i put i may have put her on face. no i wouldn't have put her on facebook but i i i said i'm looking for so-and-so on facebook yeah and never heard from never heard huh just fell into this void wow and i thought it would have been a you know not a it wouldn't have been a, even a b story it would have been just a little moment there well, yeah it would have been interesting